You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin. Hey everyone, it's Michael Jamin. Welcome back to Screenwriters Need to Hear This. I don't even know the name of the podcast. I screwed it up. Screenwriters Need to Hear This. It's, I'm going to roll with it. And I got a great guest today. Uh, this is this is Chandra Thomas, and she's the, she was a writer for two seasons on Mom before the show before the show got canceled. It's not her fault though. Don't blame her. Uh, and then and then I met her last year on on Tacoma FD, and she's amazingly talented. She's wonderful, and um, and she was also an actress. And you, if you, you should be. Everyone should watch this because you look like, oh yeah, she's beautiful. She's an actress. You could, you could see why she'd be an actress. And and but she's going to talk about her journey. Chandra, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Jammin on the ones. Thank you for having me, Chandra. You don't know this, but if we were because last year we were on Zoom, so all the writers were on Zoom. But if we were in person, I would have probably made you sit next to me every, 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 every <laughs> I'd be like, hey, Chandra, what's going on over that guy over there? You know, we'd be whisp like passing notes to each other. I love that. It would have been like high school all it over again. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been great. <laughs> Alas, it couldn't do it. And I so one thing I just do want to clarify, I was on the final season of Mom. So just one season, unfortunately, on that show that I absolutely love. So you definitely, yeah, so you, that was definitely your fault then in the show. Oh. So not my fault. I would have had that show run for another 300 seasons. You want to keep that gravy train rolling. But I want to talk about, I got so many questions for you. Okay. And I know some of the answers, but most of them I don't know. Because I know, okay, I remember, I know you went, you graduated Vanderbilt College. Was there always your ambition to be a writer or actor, even in college? So um, when I started at Vanderbilt um, University in Nashville, Tennessee, um, I was like, not sure or what I wanted to do, but probably law, um, because I am a first gen, my parents are immigrants. And like, if there's anything an immigrant parent's gonna tell you is you gotta do law, medicine, own a business or being engineer. And um, I, did, I did not like the idea of like, somebody could die on my watch. So I was like, not a doctor, <laughs> like definitely not that. Um, engineer, physics was a little rough for me. So I was like, no, thank you. And maybe I would own a business at some point, but sort of ended up being law was where I was sort of so what did you, and then, what did you major in? Um, so then in my first year, in my first semester at Vanderbilt, I, um, I was into theater, just like mm -hmm. I had done theater in high school and in middle school. And my parents had taken me to see a ton of plays. I'm from New York. So we, you know, go to Broadway and see plays. And I just had this like sort of like Thanksgiving revelatory moment where I was like, oh no, I, I want to like be in theater. I want to just be on stage and write stage and make plays happen. And so I came home and had to tell my immigrant parents that like, I was going to do this theater thing, which they were like, what, <laughs> what does that even mean? That's not why we came to this country, you know, at first now they're like literally the co-chairs of my fan club. They are incredible. Um, but, uh, so then I decided to double major, um, in theater and sociology. So I got two bachelor degrees um, from Vanderbilt. Um, and then when it was time to graduate, everybody was like, cool, let's go get jobs and do stuff like that. And I was like, um, I know how to go to school. I'm gonna keep doing that. So I went to Columbia um, University in New York and got my MFA in acting. And so started working as an actor pretty immediately and very consistently. Uh, but at the same time was always writing, was always producing, especially in theater. Um, transitioned pretty quickly to sketch and improv, was at the UCB, 
a ton. Um, and then transitioned into indie film, indie short form content, digital shorts, and just really was like about storytelling. Most people sort of immediately sort of knew me in front of the camera, but I was sort of always working on the other side as well. Um, and were so it's yourself? been a long- were you writing, Say again? Were you writing for yourself when you were acting or were you just doing other people's work? At first I was writing for myself. And then I think as like most theater practitioners do, I was like, I need to start writing for other people too. Yeah. So I wrote a whole bunch of solo shows. I have a like ton of solo shows that I was doing all over the place. where were you staging these? Um, different places, sometimes in somebody's living room, sometimes in a theater, you know, a lot of New York off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway spaces. But so were they were they one man show or like one woman show or is it or you know yeah solo a ton of I did several solo shows yeah I have one that's called a rhyme for the underground which is I play seventeen and a quarter characters and it's set in the subway the New York City subway system uh, oh, so yeah I was doing out. solo shows yeah no it's interesting but then okay so that when you're even theater were you booking because people miss this part. like were you booking the, the theaters yourselves or were you pitching it to theaters like how, how did you put them up. Uh, I, a mix of things. Like, so once I got sort of plugged into the sort of indie theater producer circle, we were putting up each other's work. I was putting up the work. I was submitting it to theater companies that were putting it up in some capacity. Who's putting move, up the money for um, it? In a lot of different ways. Who's putting up the money? We've, you figure, <laughs> you figure it out. <laughs> you figure it out. I mean, and who's you know, sometimes um, for some of the, Who's, who's, putting, who's putting all the butts and seats? Who's selling? Who's getting people to show up? That becomes the artist's job. That's right. the big thing, right? So in some theaters, we'd be able to um, do like port, like proceeds from the ticket sales, right? You know, sort of split the box office is essentially right. sort of like the way people sort of shorthand it. Um, and so that would be one way. In terms of getting butts in the seats, though, that would always fall on the artist. So, um, you know, this is before sort of social media was as, like readily hot as it is now to like sort of share those kinds of things so it became postcards and flyers and putting up posters in storefronts and Absolutely. emailing friends and texting people to come and so yeah it was like a lot of literally guerrilla marketing in the most purest form how many seats are you talking about in these theaters how big are they so most of these theaters are 99 and under which is part of the actors right equity waiver Mm -hmm. Well, different. In LA, they call them waivers. In New York, they're just theaters. Okay. Um, so you can work under an equity contract. I know in LA, you sort of like waive, like working under the union. That's not how we do things in New York. So um, it would be a special showcase contract is what it's called. And so you'd be able to sort of like you know, like folks, most, again, it was, most of us were like in each other's shows. So we would just sort of do the showcase code and, and, um, and do the show. Yeah. And we'd do it under union rules, you know, as a showcase code. What, do you mean, what, is, what does that mean under union rules? Under equity, actors equity. Yeah. But what, what kind of rules are we talking about? Oh, like just making sure that like, there's a place for you to change your clothes, <laughs> like, you know, put up makeup, essentially like a green room or, a, and like, like, <laughs> I'll come back in a second. Um, and, you know, um, like if you're being asked to do something that's way above sort of like the standard expectations of an actor that you would be under, that's either under a different agreement or you'd be compensated appropriately for those things um, that we don't, you don't get paid necessarily at the minimum rates. Like you may get paid 
in hugs or you may get paid in like, you know, a few dollars. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's just sort of like very basic, just treat, you know, treat them like human beings, you know, treat us like human beings, something. And the thing I was going to say to come back to is like, for example, the, like having a space to change our clothes, like sometimes those were basements, like literally basements, just dank places. There are people now who are in, who are literally A-lists on A-lists for um, production, for studio features and like people, names that people would know that like me and them were doing basement theater. Like we're in between during the intermission, we had to go plunge the toilet because it was flooding um, in the middle of our shows. This is so important that people hear this because like, this is what, this is what breaking in looks like, you know? doing starting from the bottom people want to start at the top people was like how do i select? literally the bottom start at the bottom <laughs> uh, literal bottom so like so for one show let's say you put up a show how many nights would you would you put it up for or just once um if i were putting it up it depends on what the show was um and depends on under what umbrella because i was producing independently but i was also producing because i had co-founded a nonprofit uh with teen girls uh who, who um wrote and created their own productions wrote own shows speak from their authentic voices and so if i was producing their work we would usually have maybe a two to four night performance. Right. If I was producing sort of other work, the showcase code allows for 16, up to 16 performances. Okay. Um, and so sometimes they'd be one-offs and other times, you know, they would have like a little bit of longer run. And, and if they were outside of the showcase code, if they were like the next tier up, um, mm -hmm. then, you know, you, we'd run for maybe four weeks. Four weeks. And then how many, there must've been times where you put up a show where, okay, you got a full house and then, you only have a couple people sitting in the theater. Is that, is that, did that happen? Absolutely. Very often as an actor, you know, whether it was something I was producing or somebody else was producing and I was an actor in one of those little tiny, tiny theaters. And um, often Friday nights were often rough um, nights to get people in uh, because I guess like sort of the, 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 thought is um people are like not ready like you know they're they like want to unwind they're not ready right. to be like at a play necessarily or a small theater play saturday nights were often our strongest nights um mm -hmm. and there were definitely times where there were more people on the stage than there were in the audience there's no <laughs> that's, that's like so without question but that's great that you're saying all this. So how does this, this very humbling beginning, like how did how did it help you? Because a lot of people think, I'm not doing this. So how did it actually help you? Um, I am incredibly grateful for that time and uh -huh. use so many of those skills now that I didn't even realize I was developing at that point. Uh, first of all, being able to work outside of, of a, a corporate structure to let people know what the idea is, what the message is, what the story is, is something that I, I use all the time. Um, having to engage people, just even as simple as like getting a shop owner to hang a poster in their in their storefront, right, requires a, a sales pitch, a way to engage them that um, is a skill that I use now. Uh, Multi-hyphenate, which, you know, I sort of, I really proudly embrace, is something that I learned and built then and like, you know, still capitalize on those things now. 
as an actor, being able to pivot in the moment and then taking that kind of skill into a writer's room, like hearing things, being able to see what's the direction that everybody's, you know, helping to move that train forward. Those were all things that like the, the, at least the groundwork for that was so laid during that time period. Right. So none of this is wasted experience. All of it was good. None of it. One of uh, one of my favorite mentors, she says, none of it is wasted. It's all story. And so, yes, it's like, like if nothing else, it's story for sure. Right, right. And then, and then you said you had people you work with, other people in your circle, in your bottom, this, the people, the, the bottom of the basement in your circle who went on to much better things. Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. People who are series regulars now, folks who are in, you know, movies that we're going to see in the movie theaters in the marvels and the dcs and the all yeah absolutely no question see it's so interesting because people say me you know on social media they reach out and they they think the goal they think maybe uh you know it whose ass can i kiss who how do i get my hands my script in steven spielberg's you know you know a mailbox or whatever and i'm like that that's not that's not how you that's not how you do it. You you make a circle of friends. You make a community at the at your level, and then you grow, and then you work your way up. Everyone climbs up together. It's like a you know absolutely so interesting. So especially for theater. Now, how did okay? So at this point, you're writing, you're acting, and then and this is all in the New York. And then what what brought you to LA? What like what was that like? That jump? And why? I kept you, saying. And how I many saying, how many years like, were you doing this? By the way, in New York. <laughs> I don't, I will not give years because that will reveal age. <laughs> so, <how> many, months? <laughs> many more years than frankly, anyone wants to admit. Okay. But it was a lot. It <laughs> and was a also, lot. you know, was working in obviously bigger productions in New York, right? Um, you know, sort of major off-Broadway houses, was working regionally a ton, mm-hmm. uh, working internationally as well. Um, and then, you know, also was working in, in, in television. I, my first uh, job on TV. I got a co-star on a Law and Order Criminal Intent. Right. I was a reporter. Yes. Was so it was freezing cold. But couldn't have been happier. Um, and so you know, I was working in studio features and daytime soap and primetime episodic, like the whole gambit. Um, in terms of LA, I kept saying uh, something's going to have to bring me to LA. Like I, I just, I, it's no secret. I'm not the biggest fan of Los Angeles. And so um, I just kept sort of pushing it off, saying that something was going to have to bring me to LA. And then um, I sort of had one of these moments where like, it was cacophonic. Everything, everybody was like, you need to go to LA. Like just randomly on the street, I would see like things that, and people just telling me you have to go to LA. And I like, I had been fighting it for so long, but finally was like, this is a little too much to not pay attention to. Um, and so I started by um, doing the bike early in New York, but like being in LA a good amount and then sort of realized I needed to be in LA more because I realized I wanted to be creating for television um, and especially in comedy, which there's not that many opportunities to do that in yeah. New York. Uh, so I moved my base to LA in June of 2018. So I've been here, um, what's that, going on five years yeah. now. But you didn't, did, okay, but you were starting over when you moved to LA. You had no network, right? 
not the total opposite. <laughs> I came to like a huge net um, because I'd been working in theater and television and film for so long. Um, I knew a ton of people here. I'd come to LA a good amount. So I'd built, you know, a, you know, a community here. And especially coming from the theater, so many playwrights that I know are in TV rooms, like so many. Yeah. So I came here, like literally walked into a community in a way that I think most people sort of say, oh my gosh, that's not how, you know, LA works. But I was very fortunate to walk right into um, a very supportive society, if you will. But then what was that like then? Because, I mean, you didn't walk into the LA theater scene. Like what, what, like what, what were you trying to do? What, what, you know, what was the first, what were those first months like then? So, oh my goodness, what were those first months? First of all, I landed on my buddy's couch. Well, not couch. She had a whole second bedroom for me. So I had a very lush <laughs> room situation. Uh, I found a place of my own within two weeks. Right. Um, I started to, um, when I look back on it, I realized this is what I was doing. I was sort of rebranding myself as a writer first. Right. So I showed up in every single solitary writer space that I could find, uh, everything. If like, I would be at every writer's groups. At one point I was in like seven writer's groups. Like every day of the week, I was essentially in someone <laughs> in the writer's like, group. Who are these, like, where are these writer's groups? Like who, who are these people and how do you, like, where are they? So I found most of them through like socials, like either um, through like, there's a group called LATV Writers. I'm sure folks have, are familiar with. So find some there. Um, there'd be others that somebody recommended to me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sort of like if you fall in, you sort of keep falling into the more was sort of my experience. People are probably some are. Yeah, because you're, you're meeting other people. You know, you're building. Exactly. And, and how often do they meet? And like, what were they like, these groups? It depends. It was a range. Uh, I'm still in a couple now. Um, it, it ranged. Some were weekly. Uh -huh. um, for sure. Um, those are usually the most frequent ones were the, the weekly, some were biweekly, others were monthly. Uh, there was one group that I was in for a little bit that was quarterly. And I was like, this makes no sense <laughs> yeah, at right. all. Like, you know, three months goes out. Oh, that's just, that's crazy. Some were bi-monthly for sure. Um, it just really ranged. It depended on the writers, the people who were running it. Um, these were mostly, um, like zoom even then, you know, like they were not, no, that's not true. There, most of them were on, uh, were in person and then all of them sort of quickly transitioned to zoom once you know, they, the world went you pay for, to be in these groups. I mean, who's, someone's gotta, it depends on the group. So in the groups where they rent theaters, we, you know, you chip in, right. To help cover or the, the cost of the theater or the space, you know, whatever the, the, the space was, if it was like a rental situation, some space, some of them would meet in people's homes, you know, like everybody gather around the di the dining room table or the living room or what have you. Um, others, there was one guy who had like a creative space that was part of his business. So, you know, he would just sort of open the doors that way. Um, and then obviously like online, it would be just a, whether somebody has like a Zoom account or what have you, is it would either leader? be free or, you know, just a box. Is there a leader or a teacher or someone, or is everybody equal? Usually a leader, just who coordinates it, not necessarily somebody who's, the ones that work best, in my opinion, are where somebody's just sort of helping to handle the admin, but yeah. everyone has sort of an equal voice in terms of notes and bringing in content. See, this is so, see, this is, you're saying everything perfectly because 
You really are. Because it's kind of, I yell at people all the time. People are like, do I have to move to LA? You don't have to do a damn thing. You don't have to do a damn thing. But this is where the people are who want what you want. And you surround yourself with other people who want, and then you all help each other. And, you know, this is where the people come. And so you I got- I get that question all the time, Michael, like of people saying like, do I have to move to LA? As somebody who literally fought moving <laughs> to LA, if I say it's helpful and very, very helpful, then I really mean that. Like it's just, um, as you pointed out, like this is where the, the, the Mecca is in a certain way. And so it, you, even if somebody gets into a room and they're outside of, of LA, maybe New York, um, okay, that's one thing, but how do you stay in the room? How do you stay in conversation? How do you have those chance meetings with people? How do you get information on a ground level that's not gonna be in a you know televised panel conversation? How do you have that one-on-one -on -one connection with the person next to you to be able to get that referral, to be able to make that referral? Um, and I think, I think that's impossible um, to do on any kind of substantive level outside of New York if somebody's interested in working in television. Right, right. Well, not even in New York, because you couldn't even do it in New York, right? I mean. Especially as a comedy writer, I think some drama writers are able to sort of make it kind of happen in New York, but you know, the opportunities are 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 more limited. There's no question about it. Right. Even shows that shoot New York, a lot of them still write in LA. They write here, right. And then, because you, it's so funny you say, because you were so reluctant, but it sounds like the minute you got here, like you were shot out of a cannon. Like you just did what, Every, you put yourself out there every uh, no opportunity was too small i mean really correct or too big i would show up at things and like i might not get in but i'm going to go <laughs> showing up anyway yeah like, what do you mean by like what kind of opportunities were those just like events or or conversations or panels or you know whatever the thing is like just as long as i figured out that there were going to be people there who were writers who were going to talk about writing in some way i was going to show up so you went to, I'm guessing, a bunch of Writers Guild events too, right? Panels? Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. Writers, are, found, Writers Guild Foundation especially, yeah. And those are open to the public. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, what are, I don't know what they cost, 10, 15 bucks. They're not terribly expensive, right? Sometimes free. Sometimes free, yeah. Yeah. And, and why are we not, why are we not you taking advantage of this? Right. <laughs> and so then how did you, what was the, okay, so you're doing all this. You're Now you're writing. you got a writing group. You're, um, you're not putting on any shows for yourself here, right? No. Mm -mm. Right. You're kind of done with the theater, but then how did you- Then I retired as a theater actor. Let's say it that way. Well, I still write for theater. And do you put up, do you put up your shows? No I, no, I send them, I put them to other people for them to produce. I have retired from the right. self-producing theater. But are they going, are they, are they being produced in LA or, or back in New York? We haven't gotten anybody on board yet, but when we do, it'll be on the East Coast. <laughs> Interesting. But then, okay, so then how did you, at this point, I should point out, you don't have an agent, you don't have a manager, right? Not in writing, mm -mm, right. not literary. For acting, you had you had Correct. Someone, right, mm -hmm. they're not helping you with writing. So then how did you, how did you, what was your first break then for writing? Um. So I decided, I had kind of, um, quasi applied to the fellowships. I I thought I was going to get into my first room because one of my playwright buddies was gonna like, like 
give my script to their showrunner and their showrunner was going to fall in love with me through the page and hire me. That's how I thought that I was going to end up in a room. And the, a couple of opportunities like that presented themselves. I didn't, didn't, you know, meet on any of those shows, but like that, that's how I thought, like, that's where the momentum was. So I thought that's where it was going to happen right. in 2019. So remember I got here June, 2018 and 2019, I was like, I'm going to apply to all of the fellowships prior to that. I had applied to some in stops and starts. I hadn't really been strategic about it. I hadn't really prepared. Like, I just sort of was like, oh, this seems interesting. But 2019, I sort of was like, I'm gonna, it's by a little Spike Lee, by any means necessary. So I um, was what, doing what are, everything like, you know. What, what are the fellowships? I don't mean to interrupt, but what, what fellowships are you talking Like which ones? I don't even know the names of. Yeah, let me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna circle into that. So oh. um, I was trying, I was going to, I was blanketing everything. Like, I was just like, I'm gonna try everything I can to try to just get something moving now that I'm here and I've got myself acclimated and I've been in these spaces and what have you. So uh, one of those strategies was to apply to all of the fellowships. Uh, and so the fellowships are essentially run by studios, networks, um, and sometimes organizations that are um, creating opportunities for writers to help them sort of just, you know, get sort of carved in <laughs> into the, into the, the uh, world, into this industry. And so I applied to every one that I could find, even some that, again, some that were like, you're not exactly the right person for this, but I still apply. Just like I showed up to every writer's event. Um, if nothing else, they provide, they forced me to write on deadline. Um, so even if I wasn't going to get in and knew that I wasn't going to get in, like at least I had a hard deadline to get my writing done. And, and so um, spec scripts or original movie, like what were you, what were your submissions? Depends on the fellowship. Most of them now require um, at least one original pilot. Um, some also look for specs. So I had um, a spec, I had two specs, one that I had written previous, like in an earlier year. And so I like retooled it and to use it. So I had two specs that I was using and then I had two original pilots. So something I should mention that I didn't mention. So when I realized I was going to move to from New York to LA, I had, when I like was like, I'm going to go write for TV. I'm going to leave. I'm going to LA, all these things. I had never written a pilot before. Right. When I said I was going to now pick up my like very comfortable existence in New York and move to like had to write for television, had never written a pilot, had written everything else, never a pilot. Um, and so I was like, I do not want to be one of those jerks who's in LA talking about like, I want to be a writer. I'm going to be a TV writer. I had never written a pilot. So I wrote two pilots in two weeks. Um, and like, obviously first drafts that got revised, but like, that was cause I was like, I do not want to be that person. Um, and I, um, those two pilots, well, one of those pilots has served me extraordinarily well. And it's one of my still go-to pilots to this day. Wow. Um, so I had say again, and it was a comedy. Oh yeah. yeah okay. Oh yeah. Only, only comedies. Yeah. Only comedies. Um, so one of those pilots is what I was using as my original. And then I have the two specs. 
Hey, it's Michael Jammin. If you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free, join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos. These are for writers, actors, creative types. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you, and it's absolutely free. Just go to michaeljammin.com slash watchlist. You are such a go-getter because there's so many, first of all, there's so many people that I want to be a writer. I want to go, okay, well, have you written anything? Nah, have you finished anything? Nah. Like you, you got to finish something. You got to, you got to right. finish it and you got to put it out there. Yeah. And yeah. then, okay. So then. That's so true. Do, so what you accepted to one or many of these fellowships or what? I don't ever win things, Jim. And I like, I'm the person who like works hard and gets the thing. And so I didn't really think the fellowship, like I said, I didn't really think the fellowships were going to work out. And I, you know, in my sparse applying before I had never gotten into any of them. And so I didn't think that that was going to be different. I thought I was going to have to apply. I don't know. You know, you hear stories, people's applying for six, seven years and like not yeah. getting it, what have you. Um, I got into, I got into one single solitary okay. fellowship, one. Right. And I, that was CBS. Right. And um, now called Paramount Global. Oh, they changed the name of the fellowship. Is that right? Or no? Mm -hmm. Really? How many people were in it? In your, was there, is there like a class? There were, so there's a cohort. Yeah. A class mm -hmm. essentially. Um, there were, by their reporting, 1600 applications. They accepted six of us. Wow. And I was the only comedy writer in my cohort. And this, did you, how often did you meet? So um, the way the CBS program works is it starts um, sort of roughly September, October, um, and you're assigned a mentor who's somebody sort of in the studio um, or network. And um, the, the mentor or two mentors um, sort of help you, guide you, give you notes to writing a, a new uh, pilot, you know, so you have a fresh script coming out of the program. And then starting in January, that goes till mm, probably like mid-ish to late April. Huh. Uh, you have weekly, at least weekly meetings that have different focus, um, that have a different focus each time. So one night might be like alumni night where other alums come and in writers' rooms and answer questions from a very like hands-on practical perspective. Another um, session will be to meet with managers, another with agents, other times with execs at the studio. Um, uh, there's, you know, like different, you know, sort of like each day, each day is like a different adventure kind of thing. So, um, so this, I, this is with your cohort. So you, you got, at this point, you got to know your cohort, you, the, you know, the other five or six people in the Absolutely. So my, me and the other five people, yes, the other five drama writers, um, we, yeah, absolutely. And I sort of was like, we're going to meet outside of here too. Cause you know, you want to get to, I really wanted us to like, you know, have our own thing, even going into um, the sessions for sure. See, this is interesting because that's another misconception that people think I think they think, well, it's very competitive. How do I compete against these people? But that wasn't your attitude. Your, their attitude is no, this is my community. I'm not competing against you. These are my, we're all in this together. Even if someone succeeds faster than you do, it's still your people. Absolutely. And, you know, I look at the time, especially um, as, uh, you know, an actor in the sort of, especially in the theater space. Mm -hmm. And there's like a sort of an expectation if somebody calls me and is like, hey, I have this job for you. For you. Um, can you do it? And like, I can't do it for whatever reason. It's not 
schedule or pay or whatever, like, you know, you're not able to do it. My first response is, can I make recommendations to you? Like that was, that was sort of what we did. And so there was not ever an idea of like the other actors who are like me ish, because nobody's exactly like me, obviously, but like who we may be in the same sort of category on a call sheet. Honestly, you're like, you're like a, you're like an inspirational speaker because <laughs> you really are, because it's just like, there's not an excuse you don't have any excuses. You're you're just a go-getter. You're just like, you oh, make opportunities for yourself. That's really kind of you to say. I feel like I am like a, like overworker bee <laughs> is what I feel like most of the time. Yeah. Um, but I, I like get super excited when I like look back and say like, you know, what, look at what has, what I've been able to do just even in the last few years, you know? So I do get excited about that, but I, I'm always thinking about like, What's the next thing I need to accomplish? What do I need to do next? That's right. that immigrant parent thing. I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say because you know immigrants like they're not comfortable. That's why they leave because they want more. And it's like they're not like yeah. lazy. They're leaving their home. Like what are you talking about? They're leaving the yeah. home for. Like that's the opposite of lazy. Exactly. Um, exactly. Okay. So then, so how true. did you get? How did mom come about? So coming out of the program. Um, it, it can be sometimes a little complicated to, to staff um, comedy out of the program sometimes, not yeah. all the time. And so um, I um, had said coming into the program that I, mom was like one of my favorite shows. And so, you know, that's where I was hoping I would, you know, if there was an opportunity to staff there and it wasn't entirely clear if that was going to be a possibility. Um, one of the execs who I had met during the time I had told her about how much I love mom, <laughs> like literally had watched every episode up to that point, had gone to a taping even before I was in the program. Uh, Cause I just love the show. Like genuinely love the show had at that point, I think there were 132 episodes had seen all of them at least once, like just was super a fan of the show. And so that exec remembered that. And so when they were looking for a staff writer, um, she mentioned like, hey, would you be interested in taking a look at, you know, Chandra's scripts? And they did and really responded to it and brought me in. And it was the shortest meeting in history. And I was like, okay, well, I blew that, but I'm so proud <laughs> that I like showed up and did my thing. And then, you know, found out a few days later that um, they were offering me a, a spot in, in the room. Was that with Chuck Laurie, that meeting? Uh, no, that room, that meeting was with the EPs um, um, who are like the hands-on EPs on the show. So the two right. showrunners and then uh, a third EP. Wait, was Chuck not, did he not run mom or was it just under his umbrella? It's under his umbrella at this point. He was more hands-on earlier. So who was the showrunner then of, of Mom? So the there were two showrunners at that point. Um, so Gemma Baker, who is one of the uh, creators of the show, and then Nick Mackay was the other. Uh, now, what was that like for you? Because you're jumping in, not not only like the new, not only the new girl, but like brand new to the like. Anytime you have a new writer. It's difficult because you, you know everyone else is established and you're the new face. But also, this is your first staff job. So, what was that like for you? It was incredible and intense at the same, same, same time. Uh -huh. um, you know, it's like I said, was one thing. One of the things that was most helpful is that I genuinely love the show. And so I came in with like that passion, knew the characters, knew what characters had, you know, terror types we, that had been on the show before. Like I came in with 
um, like an institutional knowledge, obviously didn't know the behind the scenes, right? But but interest, institutional knowledge about the show itself um, and the stories that it told. So that was really, really helpful throughout. And I sort of became, um, you know, at that point I joined in season eight. And so by that point, folks, you know, had forgotten what they did in season two because it was yeah. six years ago, right? And I was able to, I actually had created a, spreadsheet of all the episodes with um, all of the guest actors, who are the series regulars who were in it, what's the story synopsis for the episode, um, title of the episode, you know, so like I sort of not only was keeping a lot of that knowledge in my head, but also had like a searchable document that I could go back to and say like, you know, if somebody pitched a story like, oh, that kind of sounds like something that happened maybe in season three or, you know, that kind of thing. I was able to sort of like help, you know, support um, that, that piece. Um, so, um, so, you know, found my, found ways to be helpful in that respect, but to your point, like it's, it's a very intense experience when, like you pointed out, not only the new girl in this room, a new girl to TV writing, um, and, Everyone in that room, just to, with the exception of the other staff writer and uh, a mid-level writer who also joined uh, around the time that I was joining the room, everyone else were upper-level writers. Yeah. Um, most of them had been with the show since, if not season three, season one. Right. Um, and even the staff writer who was joining, who uh, was staffed when I was staffed, had been with the show in a support staff capacity for two or three seasons. So I was like the new, 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 new girl <laughs> in like a lot, point, a lot of ways. Did you have an, at this point, did you have an agent? At this point I did. So I right. did have an agent by this point. Mm -hmm, I did. Um, and uh, not an agent. I had a manager. I had a manager at this point in lit. And then how did you get, and then after that, I was, was it, do you have any time off between that and to call me FD? Was there like how much time lapsed between that? So we're missing a we had a little gap in there. So when I wrapped on mom, I actually jumped on the show that Christy and you talked about the mm -hmm. Amazon animated show. But what show was that? Right. What was so that? Uh, it was called The Flats. Uh, it was an adult animated comedy at Amazon. Um, so that's what I jumped on to um, shortly after I wrapped on Mom. And how many episodes was that? I forgot. I totally forgot about that. that we did. A, we wrote eight episodes. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And and did it and did, did it even air? Sometimes they do that. Right. Some, didn't even air. Sometimes that happens, man. You write. You got. Didn't paid. even air. But we wrote a great show. Yeah. And then, okay, so then came Tacoma FD. Yes, then shortly after I wrapped on that, then I was on Tacoma. Mm -hmm. You went from multi-camera to animation to single camera. That's correct. Right, and what was that transition like for you? You can't even get your feet wet yet. I mean, you know, you're barely getting your feet wet and already you're learning a different format. I loved it. I mean, I love, I love multi-cam. I love animation and I love single cam. Like love, I've loved what you can do in each of those formats um, is, you know, a little bit different in each, right? Obviously, at the at the end of the day, there needs to be story, character, and jokes. But you can sort of, you know, there's just different things you can do in the animated show. Um, you know, in three lines, I wrote about a bear um, doing like a dance through the back of a car window. Like that would that would require, you know, two million dollars on <laughs> on a live action show. But like you can do that in animation, so it has its own, you know, sort of perks there and. Multi, obviously, like, you know, having the close, having the, the, the limited number of sets and setups, like just, mm -hmm. there's just a specialness that can happen there. And obviously the, the, 
the kinetic energy of a live audience. Um, And then a single cam, like, you know, there's just certain storytelling you can do there and certain things you can do there. So I love all of it, to be quite honest. I thought came in thinking I was going to be just like super and almost exclusively into single cam, but um, I've loved all of the, I really have loved all of them. And then I know, I know after that, I know you started getting, uh, getting more into development. So what has that ride been like? So actually I got my first development deal when I was on um, the, the Amazon show. So that's when I got my first deal. I was okay. actually on deal when I was um, on Tacoma. Um, so that um, is super, it's such an interesting it, development is, is, is extremely interesting and extremely frustrating <laughs> at the same time. We used to call it development hell. I don't, people don't, I'm not sure if people call it that anymore because they're just grateful for the, for the money. <laughs> it's there's there's so many moving parts and Mm -hmm. i think the part that's most frustrating about development is you can create an amazing show incredible show everybody loves it and it can still not get sold or you know get sold to network or get you know or air or get a pilot put you know like it there's there's so many steps before um a show will even vaguely make it to a television screen and the show could be incredible and still incredible <laughs> everybody yeah. loves it and still not make it yeah, that's exactly right what we my, my partner she and i she were we like well the victory for us is the minute the check hits our hands oh good okay we got we got the check but after yeah. that there's so many other things and even before then there's so many things about why a pitch won't even sell it could be a great pitch people could love it absolutely and the extent you know, we're out of money where we don't want it uh, there's some somebody else is doing something vaguely similar or, you know, or something failed that was vaguely similar, we won't do it. It's like. Or your studio execs get laid off. <laughs> that, that happens easily. Like, yeah. yeah, right. So the minute, if you have an exec that's shepherding the project and then they get fired or for whatever reason leave. Or they leave, or, yep. Yeah, they yep. could leave for promotion. Mm-hmm. They're go- your project's dead because no one else is gonna wanna take it up. And no one else, that's like picking up someone's scraps off the floor. Even if it's a great idea, it's someone else's scraps. And that doesn't mm-hmm. count. A victory doesn't count towards you. You don't get the, you don't get the victory. There's so there are so many places it doesn't it, even if it's incredible. There's so many places where it falls apart. So that's definitely the frustrating part. But there's something invigorating about like imagining what a show could be. Like I think there's something really exciting about that. Um, especially you know I'm really interested in stories that we haven't seen or heard a ton. You know, so like getting to even if it's we're just gonna get to pitch it, but at least like being able to craft and and shape stories that I think are interesting and and fun obviously have heart um uh you know it's like at least i got the opportunity to like put some put some shape around something that could be incredible are you and uh, oh, go ahead go ahead i didn't mean to cut you off no you're good um and what i was further going to say is uh what i've seen now from other creatives is a show like i look at for example lena waith she has a show called 20s um, that has been, I think it's run for maybe three seasons, two or three seasons at this point. She originally wrote that. That was like one of the first pilots she wrote. She wrote it a, a long time ago, you know, the earlier days of her career. And the show, she couldn't get anybody to buy it. And then she was able to sell it once sort of people were excited to just, you know, work with her. And so um, I think there's something also to be said about, okay, cool. 
something doesn't sell now, I'll put it in the file drawer as, I, as my mom likes to say, put it in your purse. And then, you know, it might be something you can pull out at some other point. So I always keep that in mind too, of that, you know, a project may not be, some projects are dead for sure, but a project may just be in taking a nap, we'll say. See, but see, the thing is the hustle never ends. It never It ends. never ends. Right. That's and why it, I'm so not into the, the phrase break in, because uh, okay. I think sometimes people think like once you break in, right, it's like glass, you break in, the glass is no longer, the glass no longer exists. You're in the space. It's over. But like, it's not that you have to carve is how I say you have to carve in like there's constantly more material in front of you that you have to sort of, you know, make your way through. Right. Right. That's it's, it's you're exactly right. Now, are, is your entire focus now on like commercial projects? Are you doing anything on the side that's just interesting for you, you know? I mean, I'm still writing for theater, as I mentioned. And so that does not feel commercial at all. <laughs> that feels in some, several of my plays have won awards recently. And um, so there definitely is, um, you know, there's that sort of creative space. Most of what I write now particularly for TV and for film is not necessarily that I'm going to sell it tomorrow, but I'm like banking it so that I have something, you know, I have it for when I may be looking to sell something like this or so now, unless it's theater, um, I'm thinking in some way commercially, but let me explain what I mean by commercially. It's not to say that I'm going to write something that I think people want me to write, or mm -hmm. I think is going to sell. I'm writing what I think is interesting and funny and compelling and then see if there's a market for that thing that I think is interesting, funny, and compelling. Right. See, that's another thing. People often say to me, like on social media, they'll say, you know, to start, is dark comedy selling now? What's selling now? It's like, don't ask me, what do you want to write? What do you want to write? Um, it's always going to be hard to sell stuff. Yeah. Right. Period. <laughs> so, you know, even if the folks aren't ready for it now, they may be ready for it in six months, eight months, a year, two years. But, you know, I like to have the thing in my purse. But I'm surprised you're not doing more for yourself to star and act in, you know? Oh, yeah. No, I'm definitely, I've definitely keep that in mind, Jamin. Don't worry. Don't, I, I am worried about that. I want to make sure you're <laughs> on camera because... Yeah, because who else can play you better than you? And who else can write you better than you, you know? There's no question about that. That, that is always on my mind. Let yeah. me let me put it that way. Um, I don't ever want to put myself in a situation where people think I'm going to hold up a project because right. of my actor side. Um, right. So that's that I don't, you know, I'm no, I don't lead from that place. Um, but I, it's always, it's always somewhere in my in the folds of my mind. And do you feel, and then I'll, I'll wrap it up with this, but do you feel your writing, your, you know, your writing has now informed your acting? Do you feel like, or, or vice versa, you've become a better actor because of your writing and, and better writer because of that, you know, your acting? I think, interestingly enough, so I've been doing more, a little bit more performance, um, acting in uh, here recently because I have a little bit more flexibility in my schedule, um, including guest starred on the season premiere of Tacoma, uh, which uh, I had a blast doing. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because they're like, I know that me as an actor, like I'm 
it comes from a very physical space and being a writer, at least for me, is not a physical experience. Uh And so I find I have to sort of get myself back on the actor horse uh, in a way that is, that I did not necessarily anticipate or expect. So it feels like I have to warm up a little bit more to feel like I'm performing at the level that I'm I'm accustomed to be performing at. But the other way around, the actor informing the writer, always. And I'm so grateful. Um, A buddy of mine who um, was just a showrunner on a show, she started as an actor as well um, and now is primarily a writer. And she often says one of the best things she ever did for her writing career was start as an actor, was start as a performer. And that always informs my writing. Like, you know, hearing voice is is something that is so clear to me coming from uh, an acting background, um, understanding sort of like character moves, character motivations, um, being able to encapsulate, you know, action in in addition to dialogue. Like there, all of that is an actor informing um, writer for sure. Wow. This is, the, I honestly... You're, I think you're like, I don't know, am I going to be in You've been a fascinating interview. You've been a fascinating interview <laughs> because I feel like you're incredibly inspiring. You're so driven. Like, no one's going to stop you. No, who's going to stop you from doing whatever whatever the hell you want? <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to be able to stop you. Uh, yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You know, the ultimate goal is to, um, you know, do, be a writer, actor, creator in a series like uh, Quinta Brunson, like uh, Mindy Kaling, like a Tina Fey. And so... Um, that's our North Star. And so we're just going to keep marching yeah. in that direction. <laughs> I would, yeah, I wouldn't bet against you. That's what I'll say. <laughs> I think you're wonderful. Chandra, thank Thanks, you. Thanks, so sure. How can people fo- follow you? Do you want to promote anything, any social media or anything you want to you tell people about? Sure. So I am on Twitter and TikTok at Chandra7Thomas. And I'm on Instagram at Chandra Thomas, Chandra, C-H-A-N-D-R-A. Thomas with an H. Thank you so much. Thank you again. Thank so you. Much. Thanks for having me. What a fun oh. time. No, you're, you're a wonderful guest. You're wonderful. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off. I'll say goodbye to my to my podcast listeners. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh until next time, we got more great guests coming your way. Uh and keep following me at Michael Jammon Writer. This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jammon. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject. For free daily screenwriting tips, follow Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at MichaelJammonWriter. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Phil A. Hudson. This episode was produced by Phil Hudson and edited by Dallas Crane. Until next time, keep writing.